today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. God, through Isaiah, gives him this promise that I will not let this happen. And maybe that's a word for somebody. You're facing a situation. Something is coming against you, and it is creating fear in you. But you have a promise from the Lord that He will not allow it to come upon you. He will protect you. He will always protect you. Is there a situation in your life that's causing you to fear? Fear not! In today's message, Pastor J.D. teaches about the time that the Lord sent Isaiah to the evil king Ahaz. It was a terrifying request, but the Lord told Isaiah not to fear that he would protect Isaiah. You can trust God's power will protect you too. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, here's Pastor J.D. in Isaiah chapter 7 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. All right. So once again, we have before us a very big chapter here in Isaiah 7, and not necessarily in its length, but more so in its strength. And this because it very powerfully speaks to and even provides the cure for those who find themselves filled with fear concerning what may be coming. Now, I know that I've shared very openly in the past about my own struggles with anxiety and particularly worry, (laughs) fear as well, because sometimes the worry can turn into fretting and fretting turn into fear. And once that happens, I mean you're just crippled and the enemy's got you. And we have amazing minds that are capable of manufacturing and fabricating the worst possible scenario known to man (laughs) that is certain to happen. And that's the thing about fear. It'll take you down as far down this road as you will allow this spirit of fear to take you into the future. We have before us a chapter that deals very specifically with fear, as we're about to see. So as we go through this chapter, it's my hope that we'll all be encouraged, myself included, and strengthened by what God has for us here in His Word. So with that, we'll jump right in. Verse 1, Now it came to pass in the days of Ahaz, the son of Jotham, the son of Uzziah, we learned about Uzziah in chapter 6, king of Judah, that Rezin, king of Syria, and Pekah, the son of Ramaliah, king of Israel, went up to Jerusalem to make war against it, but could not prevail against it. And it was told to the house of David, saying, Syria's forces are deployed in Ephraim. So his heart and the heart of his people 
were moved as the trees of the woods are moved with the wind. That's quite a picturesque description of how shaken they were by news of this. So much so that they're likened as to these trees that are just shaking in the wind. We have that expression, doubtless you've heard it, when you're so afraid you're shaking in your boots. I suppose you could say that of them, of this King Ahaz. By the way, this king, wicked king, did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord. And he was king of the southern tribes of Israel. And now he has just learned, I want to kind of give you, this is going to be germane to our understanding of how serious this is. And this fear that has set in, there's a reason for it, upon hearing now that the ten northern tribes of Israel, because at this time, thanks to Rehoboam, by the way, Israel has been split in two. You have southern Judea, and then you have the northern tribes of Israel. Two tribes in southern Israel, Judea, ten tribes in the north. And now this king has learned that the ten northern tribes of Israel had formed this alliance with Syria, and they were coming against him there in Judah, the southern tribes of Judah. Now the question needs to be asked, why are they going to advance against? Why has Syria and the northern tribes of Israel formed this alliance to come against Judah? And the answer is because Ahaz refused to join their alliance. They had come to him, approached him, asked him to join them to go against Assyria, different than Syria. So picture a map, you know, if you're good with geography, I'm not, I always have to look at a map. But you have Syria, you have Israel here, northern Israel, where the ten tribes were, and then you have Syria, and then you have Assyria. And what they were trying to do was get Judah to join with the northern tribes of Israel, who had already formed an alliance with Syria because they were threatened by Assyria. And you have to understand that to be threatened by Assyria was a death sentence. It was game over. And all you had to hear was word of Assyria advancing against you, and you would be filled with terror because of how evil through and through the Assyrian Empire was. So they tried to get King Ahaz to join with them, and he refuses. And now, in response to his refusal to join their alliance against Assyria, they plan, they plot to dethrone him and put their own puppet king instead of him. That's a problem. Because you have to understand that it would be from the line of David, the lion of the tribe of Judah, from which would come the Savior of the world. And we're going to see that. 
the king, had they succeeded, they would never succeed. God would never allow it. No weapon forged against them would prosper, Isaiah will go on to say, or prevail. No weapon forged against you. No evil plan. By the way, that's a word for us today, isn't it? The evil plan afoot today. I think about what the Apostle Paul said. I'm pretty sure it was Paul who said I could be wrong. I stand corrected if I am. Something to the effect of, you can't even speak the evil. It's unspeakable, the evil that is committed and is going on today. But God sees it. God sees all of it. But there is an evil plan afoot today. It is gaining traction. It is so satanic. And it's this plan. You know how we always say, God has a plan for your life? Well, Satan has a plan for your life too. God's plan is for salvation. And Satan's plan is for destruction and damnation. And that's what we're seeing take place in the world today with everything that's happening. And I can't really go beyond that. So now here's this evil plan. It won't succeed. And they want to replace him, dethrone him, and they want to put in his place this puppet king that will ally with them to join forces against Assyria. This is interesting, and I kind of want to preface this before we go any further, but it's important to understand that what Ahaz feared concerning this alliance now of the northern kingdom and Syria coming against him, it wouldn't happen. It didn't actually happen. Now why do I point that out? Because (laughs) God promises him like God promises us. And in verse 7, as we're about to see, God through Isaiah gives him this promise that I will not let this happen. And maybe that's a word for somebody. You're facing a situation. Something is coming against you, and it is creating fear in you but you have a promise from the Lord that He will not allow it to come upon you. He will protect you. He will always protect you. Well, verse 3, Then the Lord said to Isaiah, Go out now to meet Ahaz, you and Shear Yashub, your son. Interesting detail. Hang on to that. I want to come back to that in a moment. This is his oldest son. We know that Isaiah had two sons. So the Lord is telling Isaiah, I want you to go speak to Ahaz now, and I want you to take your oldest son, and we're told what his name is for a reason. And then we're even told where, very specifically, and I think there's a reason for this, at the end of the aqueduct from the upper pool, on the highway to the fuller's field. Now why that detail? Here's a thought. This is a true story that actually literally happened. I think sometimes when we're in the Word of God and we read accounts like this, we 
read them just as that accounts. And I almost wonder if the Holy Spirit inspired this to be recorded so that we could put ourselves in what's taking place here. That's a very good thing, by the way. When you're studying the Bible, put yourself in that situation. Picture yourself there with King Ahaz. You happen to reside in southern Israel, there in Judah, and word has just (laughs) gone out that this is coming, and you see the king freaking out, and all the people freaking out, and so what are you going to do? You're going to freak out too. And so now you put yourself there. This is the actual location. And picture while you're there, Isaiah taking his firstborn son with him. We have this detail for a reason. So here's the son going with his father to speak to, prophetically prophesy to King Ahaz. And I think we're going to see why here in a moment. So verse 4, this is what Isaiah is to say, and say to him, this is interesting, take heed and be quiet. Be still. Be calm. Do not fear or be faint-hearted. And he doesn't just stop there. This is what Isaiah again is to say to King Ahaz. Here's why you're to be calm, be still, be quiet, and not fear or be faint-hearted. These two stubs, Syria and the northern tribes, I kind of like that. These two stubs of smoking firebrands, That's all they are. Just a bunch of smoke. There's no fire. It's just smoke. It looks like this big fire. What are we going to do? No, it's just all smoke. For the fierce anger of Razin and Syria and the son of Ramalia. That's what now Isaiah is given to speak to King Ahaz. Okay, question. Why the detail? of Isaiah's son, and Isaiah's son's name. Answer, his name, Shear Yashub, means a remnant shall return. That's what his name means. And if you've been with us for any length of period of time in our study through the Bible, one of the things that we've learned over and over again is that the name is the nature. My name. In the Middle East to this day, you name the child based on the nature of that child. And now, I have two boys. Elias and Levi are their names. Had I waited and known their nature, I would not have named them Elias and Levi. I would have named them Search and Destroy, because that was their nature (laughs) growing up. But my name in Arabic means number one, or alone, only. In fact, in Arabic, of Jesus, the only begotten Son, it's Al-Wahid, Al-Wahid. 
That's my name, my given name, Wahid. It literally means, number one, the numbers one through five in Arabic are Wahid, Tanin, Talata, Arba, Khamsa. Wahid, literally my name means number one. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's, it's hard being me. <laughs> no, the name is the nature. I was the first and only begotten son. And that's why they named me that way. The name is the nature. Another example, it's one of my favorite because the name is the same in Hebrew as it is in my native tongue of Arabic. We pronounce it in English as Isaac. We pronounce it differently in Arabic than in Hebrew, but in Hebrew it's Yitzhak. In Arabic it's Yitzhak. You know what that means? Literally. It means laughter. You know the story, right? You know how that went down? Here's Abraham, and here comes the Lord. This is the Lord who says to Abraham, I'm going to give you a son, biological son, by Sarah, who's 90 years old, by the way. Actually, she was 89 at that time. One year from the day, I'm going to, I'm going to give you a son. I know it's not in the text, but if I'm Abraham, I'm like, Oh, Lord, thank you. But that's a very old prayer. Because <laughs> now he's 99, because when they have laughter, Isaac, Yitzhak, Yitzhak, he's 100, and she's 90. And he says, one year from the day, I'm going to give you a son. And then all of a sudden, off in the background, is this laughter. And the Lord says to Abraham, says, Sarah's laughing, yeah? Yeah. And then when she's confronted, no, I wasn't laughing. Yeah, you were. So what did they name him? Laughter. This is laughable. A woman who's 90 years old, and a man who's a hundred years old. That ship sailed a long time ago. <laughs> the train left the station years ago. This is laughable. Yitzhak. Can you imagine every time you said, Hey Yitzhak, hey brother Yitzhak, <laughs> you were saying laughter. It was a reminder of how laughable in the eyes of man is that which God did. The name is the nature. So back to this account. Can you imagine? I mean, again, this literally happened. I wonder what the conversation was on the way to see King Ahaz. I wonder what Shier Yashub said to his dad. So um, I know you name me <laughs> a remnant will return or shall remain, but why did you name me that? You know, Bob would have been fine, you know, Steve, John, something. But Shier Yashub? Why? Because it would be a prophetic picture, son, of Judah yet future. Because you see, right after this, soon after this, they are taken into captivity and only a remnant would return, which is exactly what his name signified 
and was a picture prophetically of. Verse 5, Because Syria, Ephraim, and the son of Ramaliah have plotted evil against you, saying, I want you to notice the specificity beginning here in verse 6, Let us go up against Judah and trouble it, and let us make a gap in its wall for ourselves, and set a king over them, the son of Tabel. Thus says the Lord, it shall not stand, nor shall it come to pass. For, verse 8, the head of Syria is Damascus, and the head of Damascus is Rezin. Within, again, notice the specificity, within 65 years, Ephraim will be broken so that it will not be a people. The head of Ephraim is Samaria, and the head of Samaria is Ramalia's son. And then he says this, If you will not believe, surely you shall not be established. Wow, that's pretty detailed. I'm relatively certain that when Isaiah speaks this to Ahaz, Ahaz is like, oh wow, you even know the name of this puppet king that they want to replace me with? Yeah, he's the son of Tabel. You understand in the Middle East, even to this day, they call you, they name you after your father. Son of Tabel, son of Faez, my father's name. They would also do it the other way around too. Abu Wahid, the father of Wahid. We see it in the Gospels, Jesus, son of Joseph. That's how they would identify them. And so we have his identity. And we're also not only told who, but how. They're going to make a gap in the wall, and that's how they're going to get in. And (laughs) uh, that's pretty detailed. And then after this detail, the Lord has Isaiah tell him that, here's the thing Ahaz, even though you're a wicked king, and that I want to come back to that in a moment. You would think if it was a good king of which there were only nine, and all of the nine good kings were only in southern Judah. Northern Israel had not one good king that did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. You know, Ahaz is going to have a son. His name, Hezekiah. He was one of those nine good kings. And in our study through Kings and 1st and 2nd Samuel and 1st and 2nd Chronicles, one of the things we saw was good kings coming from bad kings. In other words, an evil father had a righteous son who would have a righteous reign. And then it went the other way around too. And this is what we see here with Ahaz. His son would be Hezekiah, was one of Israel's greatest kings. Whereas his father, Ahaz, was one of Israel's most evil kings. How about that one? That's interesting in and of itself. So he's telling him, listen, It's not going to happen. I'm not going to let it happen. And oh, by the way, 
Fast forward 65 years and there's not even going to be a northern kingdom of Israel. We're so glad you joined us for this edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. The book of Isaiah is an interesting one, as the prophet Isaiah spoke things that God wanted the people of Israel to hear, but they just wouldn't listen. Little did they know that much of what Isaiah spoke had bigger significance than they could have imagined. From beginning to end, the book of Isaiah touches on Jesus Christ coming later on. It refers to the announcement of his coming, his birth, his good news of salvation, his death, and his return to claim his own. Wow, what an incredible insight into the future. Sometimes things are plain right before our eyes, and we just aren't willing to see it for what it is. Although the people were ignorant in that present time, God used Isaiah to speak to them anyway and to proclaim the good news that was to come. Do you know of this good news? If not, we'd like you to check out calvarychapelkaneohe.com and head over to the resources page. There you'll find the ABCs of salvation, which goes into a step-by-step understanding of the good news of Jesus. If you're in the Kaneohe area, you're always welcome to join us on Sundays or Thursdays at Calvary Chapel Kaneohe. We meet for a time of worship, fellowship, and in-depth Bible study with Pastor J.D. You can find service times, directions, and more at our website, calvarychapelkaneohe.com. Until we meet again, we encourage you to dive deep into God's Word and to look for more things God wants to teach you in this book of Isaiah. Looking forward to next time here on In Spirit and Truth.